Hey, what's good? It's your girl, Chanae, and we are back because you know what it is. It's Tuesday, let's go, which means we have a new episode of Chanae for you right now on the ESPN YouTube channel, or you can listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And also make sure you check out me and my work boo, my work husband, Mike Golick Jr. on our show, Chanae and Golick Jr. on ESPN Radio and also streaming live on ESPN Plus every day from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now in a few minutes, we will chat with two-time NBA All-Star Baron Davis because we are in the thick of the NBA playoffs, approaching the conference finals, and he is going to drop some knowledge on all of that. But first, here is what you need to know today. We are truly at an inflection point right now in the NBA, a point where the past, present, and future are colliding in unique ways, starting with the past. This past year and a half was a struggle for the sports world. We had bubble basketball, which was innovative, but it came with consequences, like a 71-day offseason. The teams that pushed themselves to the brink, the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Nuggets, are all currently out of the playoffs, each dealing with major injuries that seriously derailed their postseason aspirations. Which takes us to the present. This season was all about the waiting game, waiting to see when stars would return from injuries, coronavirus, and load management. For example... The average number of players on a team sidelined each game due to injury or rest this season was 5.1, and this hit the top players hard. This season's All-Stars missed 370 games. In other words, an All-Star on average missed 14 games this season, the highest percentage in NBA history, according to Elias. This was a major bummer for fans, but surprisingly, what felt like a vacuum has quickly become a valuable opportunity for the NBA's next generation of stars, accelerating the crossover into the future of the NBA. Y'all, the young stars have showed up and showed out. For the first time in NBA history, there were seven players aged 25 or younger, averaging 25 points per game in the playoffs. The future stars are taking over the present. Now, not too many people know what it's like to make that jump, which is why we are so lucky to go one-on-one with LA's finest, two-time NBA All-Star, entrepreneur, and director, Baron Davis, who will take us behind the scenes of the NBA playoffs and talk us through his film's debut. BD, it's been a minute. How are you? What's up tonight? What's happening? I was actually going into the archives because I was like, oh, I'm excited to talk to BD because mm-hmm. we're going to talk NBA playoffs and all that stuff. And there are so many parts of your life that speak to what's happening right now in the NBA. And it's funny. It's like the beard before the beard. Yeah. And then like the last viral moment was Steph Curry doing your celebration. That was fun. And that's the greatest three-point shooter the game has ever seen. Knocking in another. And then he goes with the Baron Davis flesh-out celebration. He is filthy. 14 years since the Andre Kirilenko dunk. When you saw Steph do that, what did you think? Uh, Steph Curry keep me alive, you know? Uh, Shout out to Steph Curry. Like, you know, every time he, you know, shout me out or do something, you know, to pay homage to, like, the old Warriors, they just keep us alive, you know what I mean? And keep our names fresh and, you know, the younger generation uh, minds, you know what I mean? And, you know, I like it. I enjoy it. You know, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. And, you know, I, I think he's phenomenal. So anytime, like, the one of the best players in the league, you know, kind of acknowledge, you know, somebody who, who's who's out, you know, it's just it's, – it's a cool moment. We're at a crossroads in the NBA. Yep. 
Like we're witnessing right now the next generation of stars taking over. Mm-hmm. And for your personal journey, I was looking at your numbers and it's really fascinating the story that you've been on, uh, the journey that you've been on because you came into the league, didn't really start, right? Yeah. Then the next year in Charlotte, you take the next step, start a lot of games. Yeah. And then the following year, you're an all-star. Mm-hmm. And right now in the NBA, we're witnessing a lot of players in their third or fourth year taking these gargantuan leaps. Yeah. And a lot of them are guards. Yeah. And, you know, you being a guard that not necessarily was taller, taller, the way guards are now, positionless basketball. What do you see right now in the NBA with the guys like Trey and Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker taking over? I love it. I think, um, you know, it just reminds you when you were young, right? The first year was like, damn, dude, like, how the hell am I not starting? You know what I mean? And, like, Am I good enough? And like, you know, but once that first season is over, you're like, I did it. I know how long it takes. I know how long we can go. You know what I mean? And it's not new to me. So the second year is like, you want to prove yourself. The third year is like, man, I don't prove myself. Now I belong. I got to make sure that every time I come out, right, I finish, you know, I start the season the way I finished it in my second year, right? So that third year is usually like that year of confidence, right? Where you can like, you can take that leap, right? You can make, take those shots. You can assume that, that leadership role that, and when you look at the Trey Youngs and Donovan Mitchells, like the good thing about these kids are, they are damn near veterans on their team, right? So you got a lot of young energy and a, and a, and a lot of young players coming. So by the time they hit their third year, they have the support that they need, right, to really take it up to another level and the players to complement their game. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's crazy because it's not just the guards. I know I identified some. And we'll go into, like, uh, you know, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a lot. <laughs> like, I, I bet you you were listening to that growing up, but you still had the tenacity based on what I heard. Like, what was it, 5'5 five, five in high school, 5'6, yeah. then exploded? <laughs> And, and you had the mindset, and so when you started stepping into your height, the game just all came together with, yeah. you know, the professional aspirations. But before I go to that that experience, uh, Nikola Jokic actually just became the lowest drafted MVP this year. Mm. Shout uh, out to him. Though. 41st pick overall, second round pick, now is MVP. You know, we always play like mock drafts, and I always try and pick Jokic first. <laughs> you know, like everybody going to pick Steph and KD, but I always pick Jokic first. Because I've never seen a point center. He plays point guard for their team. Everything runs through him. He brings the ball up. He's the best passer on the team. He's the best decision maker on the team, right? And, I mean, you know, just to see, like, his skill level, his hands, his strength, right? And, you know, another kid, another guy who was a kid, Right. And like he was balling every year he's been in the league, he's been balling. And now it's like he took that next leap. You know what I mean? Look at look at the leap he took because he knew how good he was. Right. And he improved his body. He improved, you know, some of his, you know, he he worked on the things that he needed to work on to make him a little bit better. And for him, it was probably strength and conditioning. Strength and conditioning, but that's going to give him a little bit more athleticism. That's going to give him a lot more endurance. That's going to make him stronger, so he's going to have more balance. You know what I mean? And then you take his natural skill set, and now, like, he's he's a, you know, I'm watching him pop people, 
you know, all uh, all through the playoffs and through the season, and he's mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so tough. MVP, yeah. right? You know, you look at him, you look at Embiid, but you got to give it to him just because of, you know, just like the way he do it. You know what I mean? Like, and he is the focal point of the team. So shout out to him, you know. The Joker. The Joker. That's my dog. And it's cool because, you know, for him, it was specifically probably coming back. You know how everyone was like quarantine bodies, like trying to get themselves right. Like you see these cases in the NBA. But then, you know, back to guys that we're talking about, Trey Young, who is 6'1", Donovan Mitchell, 6'3", even Devin Booker, 6'5", not like the typical, you know, sniper that is a 3'4", you know, that is 6'7". For you, as you you grew – and your game came together, and you were blessed with natural athleticism. Yeah. I mean, people don't talk about, like, your bounce. I mean, obviously, we have those <laughs> iconic dunks, but, like, paving the way for that part. What is that specific quality that has allowed these guys to be able to drop 45, like we're seeing time and time again, or 50? I think the green one is the green light, but when you look at – I mean, they're all very different, right? You know, I look at – Trey Young as the next iteration of the Steph Curry point guard, right? Shoot deep threes. You got to guard him as soon as he cross half court. He's a threat. He has, he has the green light. But the thing I love about Trey Young is he gets to the hole. Poor little bitty dude, he gets <laughs> to the hole. And so when you look at, you know, his spots, it's like he got the four ball deep. He got deep three you know, he can he can shoot the pull-up, floater, and he got a good layup package. And so when you're looking at, you know, he, he's four levels. You know, uh, shout-out to Rashad Phillips. He was teaching me about the, the different levels of scoring. And when you look at these guys, they're all kind of four-level scores. Um, I would say Donovan Mitchell, you know, he plays pretty much the lead guard for Utah, right? And so, you know, for him, I think his skill set – is his ability to be bigger, right? Almost like you, guard. though. Yeah. Athletic, yeah, too. Yeah, very, very athletic, can handle the ball, can get downhill. Um, he has the, like, you know, I, I, I liken him to D-Wade because he can move in tight areas. You make, know what I mean? It makes sense based on the new ownership yeah, situation. Yeah, you know, hey, it makes <laughs> sense. Um, and then he also has that green light. So he's figured out how to be effective in his pick and rolls, you know, and when to get his shot and when to get his moment. Now, Devin Booker, Devin Booker is like, that's my guy. Yes. That's my guy. That's my guy. He, we were taught, we were arguing about him this morning. It's like he can score all over the floor and there is not one person in the league that can stop him. Right. So if there's a, there's not a spot on the floor that 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 he's uncomfortable from. But he does have his kill spots. Have you noticed that? Yes. So absolutely. he dances, and a lot of people bring that Kobe Bryant comparison because there are certain spots like the elbows, the mid range short corner yes. close to the three, and then three point line is just pure his. And what I like about him is he has an incredible pace, but his hezzy. Oh my! Can I cuss? Yeah, absolutely. His hezzy people up <laughs> oh my god he coming he coming on the break he looked like he about to pull a three somebody trailing oh fake stopping the mid-range like <laughs> oh my god he be doing some he be doing some sick oh wait who was remember in that Nobody. like iso yes. that little iso package <laughs> yeah he's sick 
And then, you know, he and then he can catch, he can catch and give you, you know, give you work off the pivot. You know what I mean? He can work, he can work you in the block. And if he gets to that elbow, he can shoot over you. Yep. Right. And and, and that's like, you know, I remember uh, you know, Earl Watson was I think his first coach. Okay. Yeah, or uh Earl Watson, one of his first coaches, and Earl used to tell me, like, yo, bro, I'm telling you, BD is still gonna lead the league and score. Nobody can guard him when he did. I think he scored like 80-some points or some 70 points. But the difference is I think he wants to win. And so even yeah, though back he can then, take, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah back yeah, then, yeah. yeah, for sure he had to do it. But now it's like it's easier. Mm. It's the same. He pretty much can get those same shots, those same volume of shots. But now it's kind of easier when you got Chris Paul taking care of everybody else. But great teams also make sacrifices yep. because we just saw a Chris Paul vintage performance, right? Absolutely. But he sort of knows as it ebbs and flows, I can step up on the offense any day, but like if it's someone else's night, it doesn't bother me because guess what? We're in the Western Conference Finals now. Yeah, and he had 40. Didn't still. he have like 40? Yeah, <laughs> still. But yeah, it's it's that maturity. I and think he's a killer though. Oh my god, He is a stone, like... You know, I like I like Donovan because he 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 climbing and he and you know I don't know what Shaq was talking about. Like that dude has <laughs> been arrived as far as in my book. You know what I mean? Like the type of credit that they get to other players. Mm -hmm. Like they never want to give the young dudes no love. I think Trey is Trey. This was Trey Young's coming out party to let people know. Like I was pulling for like even though I was rooting for the Knicks, I was pulling for Trey Young to to take his step. He deserved that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I and they're starting to see the savage in him, too. Absolutely. Which is only better for the league. And shout out to Trey Young. He play on my Drew League team. So, you know, there that's you my dog. <laughs> that's my dog. He, you know, he built for it, right? Yeah. And you think about, like, what the kid was doing in college. It was the same, you know, people throwing shit at him on the court. So, I think he, it was perfect for him to be matched up with New York in that type of environment. Because watch what he watch what he becomes, you know what I mean, after this year and, and for the rest of his uh, career. I think I have another layer of admiration for you. Uh-oh. You, <laughs> you didn't even know you could do it. <laughs> because you're a comeback king. Yeah. You know, I've dealt with injuries. You've dealt with injuries. Mm -hmm. And this year in the NBA, there have been a significant amount of injuries, load management. Yeah. And I think it sometimes we forget to put the full story of the player before we start talking about their, like what, how many points they dropped. Yep. And I think Paul George is a good example of this, mm. you know, um, breaking his leg. And that was tr traumatic. Right. Working his way back an all-star. Mm -hmm. Then he has his own moniker, which I don't even like to talk about, but he's trying to make his way back. Playoff P. Yes. Yeah. But then everyone's had fun with it. Too much fun with it. Yeah. You know, you, uh, hey, <laughs> you hey, bring your you name. self proclaim. Yeah. You know, when you self proclaim, I think, um, you know, he, he, he's a testament to coming back. I think, uh, as a player, you can't listen to that. Sh you know what I mean? Like if, if you say you're going to be it, be it, do it. You know what I mean? But uh, you got to kind of have a um, a kind of F-U mentality, you know, to media and fans that aren't fans. That and that's what helped one, you yeah. through yours. Absolutely. Like, I, I I just wanted to hoop, right? And I felt like any time that I can get out there, whether – I wish there was low management when I played. I'd probably <laughs> still be playing today. Facts. Um, but there was no low management. I would say I was a sacrificial lamb. 
as far as being like, yo, bro, I'm hurt. I need two more weeks. I'd be better. And they're like, nah, we need you now. And I'm like, but we suck anyway. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I think I was on the cusp of, you know, really like the next generation being able to get low management and taking care of rookies and things like that. Uh, or even like your best player. But I was just, I was always one to like, I had to get IVs, shots in my bag. It didn't matter. I was just like, man, just let me play. Cause you know, basketball for me was always like therapy. And it was like a lot of times, like a lot of chaos and shit like that, you know, going on in your life. And like basketball was just always like that, that, that calm. Lastly on hoops. I think a lot of NBA teams need identities and they're searching for them. But in the interim, we're seeing a lot of skill work, shooting work. Yeah. And that's what's helped facilitate the emergence of these young stars. Oh, yeah, they can shoot. They can shoot the they're ball. burning the nets up. <laughs> hey, these dudes burning the nets up. I'm like, damn. Like, that's, I mean, I, some, of the, some of the threes and, like, the way these, like, the way just the regular dudes get hot. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like. Is this dude scoring 50 like so and so had 40 it's like damn these young dudes they hungry you know and i'm starting to see a, there's about to be another change because if you see it like you know like lebron and wade like the super teams right mm -hmm. like lebron wade and boss forming a super team and then after that like the LeBron way boss, it became like a really friendly league, mm -hmm. right? A league of friends. Now people are starting to like get in their clicks and be like, you know, turn up, right? So these younger dudes, they coming in the league talking. They coming in the league flexing. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot. Like I, 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 I want them to take it up five more notches. I want the referees to calm the f down and stop like over exaggerating. Like let them turn this talking up and all that like because it extends in social media and i'm like i'm all for it right as long as it's like great basketball and dudes being competitive the, like we need to up the ante on like the competitiveness and 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 just to like the game beef they can still be friends but like they starting to like fight for some like bragging rights and you even know, within things. teams we saw like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons saying like no nah, I want defensive player of the year. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about yeah. but it's great because we always joke about fashion being cyclical well hopefully mm -hmm. in the NBA everyone said oh it's gone for being a soft there's a lot of soft like if this can be the new cycle of energy yeah I'm here for it it's energy right yeah. it's a different vibe it's a different style it's a different flow you know what I mean like and it's a different gamemanship it's a different sportsmanship. You know what I mean? There's a a greater level of respect, right? There's not so much hate and disdain. And, like, there's really no real rivalries. So you can't, like, you know, you would have to, like, those have to be developed somehow, some way. But in the interim, having these young stars have a respect for each other, but also want to be the one that yeah. comes out on top. That's totally. what we love. Um, before we, you know, say goodbye, I want you to talk about your directorial debut because this <laughs> is nuts, y'all. This man not only co-wrote, executive produced, you also cameoed in your own film. Hey, I had to. I, we didn't have enough parts. <laughs> <laughs> Domino, Battle of the Bones, right? Yeah. The process, uh, and, and this is why I, I appreciate you for always pushing yourself out of the box of just a basketball player. What was this whole experience like? It was dope. Um, 
you know, we'd be on commercials and we always shooting stuff for the teams. And, you know, for me, uh, when I played, I was always pitching like movies, ideas and commercial ideas. So I sit on the set, you know, shout out to Reebok and the people at Reebok. Like they used to let me sit on set. Nike, I sat on the set with the Hughes brothers, right? When I was uh, at Nike doing the Nike commercials and like kind of like a gym rat, I was like a, a set rat. You know what I mean? Like I, I learn, I love. If somebody was shooting a movie, I'd go, right? It, uh, I love talking to directors, getting their point of view, looking at films from like their perspective. And for me, I always felt like stories are important. And the one thing that I I saw kind of coming up, it was like, damn, dude, if my career don't turn out to be where it is, then at least I can be the dude who can tell everybody's story. And everybody like I talk to is like, yo, bro, I got a story to tell. <laughs> and it's like, yes. And I want to be able to build a studio where it's like, yes, yes, absolutely. Hell yeah. What? You don't want to do the Ray for Austin documentary? Already out of your f- mind? That is amazing. You know what I mean? Like, that is going to be an amazing story, right? Uh, the We Believe documentary. That's going to be an amazing story. Yes. But you got to let Matt and Stack and, you know, all these dudes, like, tell their story within the story. If we go and try to overproduce it and do what we've been doing, you know, a lot of that, like, I was watching Dennis Rodman documentary and I enjoyed it. But I just felt like I don't want reporters telling me about Dennis Rodman on his peers. Mm. I want his homeboys that was with him. I want the people that are around. Yeah, reporter here too. But, dude, it's, it's no good to me if I can't hear from the players or his teammates, right, or him, right? And so I think that now that players are starting to own their voice – we can actually own our story. And now we can collaborate with reporters and media to help us better tell our story than having them articulate who we are from their point of view. Uh, before anyone leaves my podcast, my show, I put them in the hot seat. So the, it's called Chanae's Court. Okay. And you go. must answer these questions. You can't dodge them. You can't let's be like, go. oh, give me I'm whatever. in Chanae's Court. Let's go. I okay. I like this. Let's do First it. First question. Give me your best UCLA pickup run story. Because the, the UCLA runs are always crazy. Best UCLA pickup run story. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. I was a junior going into my senior year. Um, I finally got picked to play. I'd been up there for two years, and they didn't have enough guys. So I finally got picked to play. Um, I passed the ball to a high post. And I cut down the middle, and LaSalle Thompson, Tank, who they called, was standing under the basket, and I dunked on him so hard. So hard. Like, he, I, like, literally, like, boom! And he's, like, 6'10", 275, 280, big old dude. And they called him Tank because he was like a mean dude, but off the court he was really nice. After the after we finished playing, it was sitting there. He was like, "Yeah, man, where you playing? Now, where you playing next year?" I was like, "Uh, yeah, uh, Santa Monica." He was like, "Nah, like, you know what? What team you playing for?" I was like, "They was like, nah, dog." 
like he in high school, he was like, no, 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 he's in college. What school are you going to next year? I was like, well, I may go to UCLA. He was like, man, you in high school? I said, yeah. He said, if you try that shit again, I'm going to break your fucking legs. <laughs> <laughs> and Shaq did me like that too. I almost caught Shaq. That would have been my claim to fame. And I just missed the ball. I got scared at the last minute, and I and I bricked it. And Shaq said, if you ever do that again, I'm going to break your fucking legs. <laughs> That was it. That was UCLA. Oh, at least it like set you up because the next it the next person you did tank to Shaq, that's not bad. I mean, I tried Shaq. Shaq was not having it. I should have got him. You should have got ah, him. I wish I would have got him. Um, next question. Uh best stack story. Because you played with him at Golden State for a couple years. St- uh, Steven, Steven Jackson. Jackson. Oh yes. my God. Where do we start? Uh I'll tell you a funny Steven Jackson story, do. but it doesn't even involve him. Okay, so, like, I'm checking it. I'm going to, you know, we, we, we're we playing the Warriors. And so you go to the, the counter, you got, like, your gum. Everybody got, the, like, the uh, equipment dude set everybody up, you know, water. So when you go to the floor, you just chew your gum, yeah. take your mouthpiece. Yeah. So at the time, I had a mouthpiece. So I go, I go in the game, and so I, I go, I grab my mouthpiece, checking the game and usually like I don't put my mouthpiece in until I like start playing so I'm mm-hmm. like like you know I got it in my hand I'm like you know like got it hanging off my lip and so the game start and I go to like put my mouthpiece on it was hitting on my front my t- <laughs> my two front teeth <laughs> so the mouthpiece like wasn't going on I was like what the f- is wrong with my mouthpiece and I looked down, and it was no. Steven Jackson. And remember when he had the gap? So they had the mouthpiece with the gap, with the and gap. the gap, and the gap, and the mouthpiece. I was like, "Oh!" And I threw that. I threw it right on the uh, scores table. He was like, "Man, what you doing, my mouthpiece?" I'm like, "Man, that's nasty. Your breath stank, dog." Uh, what else? Uh, you survived. Last thing, something nobody knows about you. Speaking of rappers, rappers always want to be hoopers. Hoopers always want to be rappers. How'd you know? I mean, it's just part of the culture. I got an apple. I got an album. I got an album. I'm supposed to drop. People want me to drop this album. When it's did not you make me. It? It's it's Bart Oatmeal. I made it during quarantine. Quarantine. The year be. I started the year before quarantine and moved through quarantine. Uh, yeah, I made an album. Uh, I'm probably gonna release it. Uh, I did a, uh, some of the music with Mike and Keys on the Domino uh, movie, so I got a couple songs. Like, if you listen closely, you'll be like, "Damn, that sound like that's kind of nice." Yeah, but I got a uh, you know, but it's more production. I do more production stuff, make beats, make songs. Okay, shit, but uh, I do got you know some music, and I think my homeboys is like, "Yo, you need to put it out," but uh, I got to package it right. You know, it's yeah. not me. It's 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 Bart Oatmeal. So Bart Oatmeal is 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 the legend. The legend is Bart Oatmeal. So it's, it's You heard it here first though. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What can you not do, bro? I don't know. Uh No, that's not an answer. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just I was trying about to start you. telling you. I'm just no, we can keep that after the pod. I can't do a lot. Of- oh my god. <laughs> BD man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. For kicking it with me. Family oh, for yeah. life. Major thanks to BD for joining us today. It was a great reminder that all the young stars are ready to shoot their shot at titles right now because the last time any of the remaining teams left in this postseason won a title was 1983. Can you guess which team it was? I'll give you a second. 
Philadelphia 76ers squad led by Moses Malone. Crazy. This NBA playoffs might just be the beginning of a new era of NBA champions led by these young stars. That's it from your girl, Chanel Gwimike. Hopefully today's convo sparks something within you, no matter what you do. The time is now to take the next step. I'll see you next Tuesday.